0: And, and that's why uh, we came up with the idea of having even this booklet that you can go back. You know, it's not like we're going to do it every series or every Sunday, but for this particular one, uh, because it's aimed at our inner life, it's actually something that um, we think will make a big difference and, and, and help you out. Um, okay. Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. I pray, Lord, that even as I speak, that it will be your words, not mine, that uh, you would empower us to go to places that maybe we're not used to looking at. And um, I pray that your word would penetrate deep, deep, deep into the heart and soil of our lives, Lord, that you would do a great work on our insides, Um, We commit this sermon into your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, You know, we've been doing these uh, sermons all through the year because our um, around uh, giving you a good foundation, because our theme for the year is firm foundation. So uh, if you look through our curriculum, I guess, for the Sunday, For the first series, we looked at the 15 words of the New Testament, 15 major themes In the New Testament and then we went we looked at faith in the real world we looked at at Jesus teaching us to pray right we're on a Bible reading program so we've got like really meaty good stuff of reading the Bible praying having your faith in the real world we just finished our generation series where we're looking at each generation and and how how do we get genuine faith uh, in our generation So many good things, so many good answers. Uh, You know, and you can go back and listen to the sermon. I've actually gone back and listened to a few of the sermons. that I've been encouraged each time I I listen. I don't listen to mine. I listen to other people's ones, right? And they're so good. But I want to ask this question as we start. Um, What happens when we know all the right things to do? And so maybe you've heard these great sermons, you've now read the Bible, you've, you, Jesus has taught you how to pray, right? And so now you have got something really, really good, uh, absolute goal. What happens? when you get the correct answer, or even in your life, you know, you've learned something like the Marie Kondo way of cleaning your house, or you, you've picked up, you know, David Allen's GTD system for productivity, and you're like, oh man, this is so good, or you've you figured out how to eat healthy, or, 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 right, and you've got something really good. You've solved it. But then for some reason, you're unable to take that good solution or that answer and apply it in your life. Have you ever experienced that where you're like, man, it was the right answer. I know it now because I've been married 20 years and this person told me the right thing to do in the first five years of my marriage. I knew, but I didn't do it. And now I'm in trouble. It was the right thing to do back then, but I I just couldn't do it. Have you ever had the right answer, got the right solution, been given really good advice, you've read a really good book, you've seen a good YouTube video of whatever it is, and for some reason, that good solution has not produced any fruit in your life. I, I've actually seen that play out. I went back to Malaysia the last two weeks. I caught up with friends I haven't seen for 20 years. And my goodness, like we grew up listening to the same things and, and hearing, like more than half of them aren't even Christian. And I'm like, wow, we, we were going to the same Sunday school. We were like, we heard the same stuff. What is, what is, what is happening? So as I do today's sermon, I want you to think about it's, I think it'll be helpful, and that's even you kids. Oh, by the way, I better give the kids a bit of a heads up. I'm going to ask for two volunteers. <laughs> yep. So, you, so when I do, you just, yeah, all you have to do is put up your hand when I ask you. You don't know what I'm going to ask you to do, but you just put up your hand. Awesome. <laughs> later, later. All right, great. But can everybody think of, a, you know, like, think of something that you are trying to change in your life right now. Oh man, I just want to eat healthier. Oh man, I wanna, I wanna change the relationship that I've got with my children or my wife or just whatever. Think about the. I think it'll be helpful to to today's sermon if you have in your head something that you're trying to change in your life, and you're like, surely there's more than just getting the right answer, because maybe that there's that one thing that you're trying to change, and I maybe not me or some expert in the world, some doctor somewhere, could literally write on a piece of paper the two things, stop drinking Coca-Cola and McDonald's or whatever, like, you, you know, they literally write you the, the correct answer for things and give it to you and it may not even work in your life. You may, n- it may never take hold, right? So that's what I'm trying to tackle today. So have in your head something that you're trying to change or maybe something that you've tried to change. Yep, it'll be really helpful for today's sermon. It's as if the answer, the solution, can be a seed that is so good, that is like, this is the right thing. And and in the seed, you know, you recognize it. It's it's got the potential to bring forth a plant, life. Not just a plant but a plant that can produce fruit. And not just produce fruit, a fruit that has seed that can be planted, that can be another plant that can then produce fruit and then can be planted and then become another tree and then become a forest. Right? And so it's as if the solution or whatever the thing is, is like so good. But something needs to happen with that seed. And Jesus knew this. In fact, I'm sure you reckon it. it's so obvious because Jesus called it out thousands of years ago and when Jesus used his analogy, it was so blatantly obvious that everyone who heard it back then, 2,000 years ago, understood the analogy that Jesus was giving and we understand it today as well. That it doesn't matter how good a seed is, how good an answer is, how good a solution is, if you plant it into a lousy soil. If I give you a solution, or somebody else gives you a solution, and it goes into your life, and you're like <laughs> And the, the content, the information, the solution, or whatever it is, it just sits in a soil that's not great. Right, so if you're wondering, well, yeah, I got the solution, but why is it not working? That's what we're trying to delve into in this. Um series called personal foundation that's why we've got this picture of a tree that's growing and and all these other things that are not growing around it what 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 is happening uh with it we've got the solution but why is it not working and we we turn to this passage it's so famous right uh in matthew 13 3 to 9 and jesus told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow and this is often called the parable of the sower but you know uh, some people call it the parable of the seed but it's actually the parable of the soil, because the sower went out to sow, and he sowed some, he sowed, and some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them, and other seeds, they fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, and since they had no depth of soil, uh, when the sun rose up, uh, they were scorched, and since they had no root, well, they withered away, other seeds fell among thorns. And when the thorns grew up, it, it choked them. Other seeds, though. The, and when we, it keeps saying other seeds. But, you know, we're all talking about the same seed. The sower, he doesn't have like 50 different seeds in his hand. The sower, he's sowing seeds. He's just taking seeds and he's just going. This is, uh, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the, the, the good seed, right? Um, and he goes, and other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And then Jesus says these words, which I think it's so relevant for us today. He who has ears, let him hear. I'm hoping that's what we'll do today. We're doing the series on personal foundation, what's going on on the inside of us. Um, and um, actually, you're going to get the... Uh, general version. I did the men's version uh, last night. Well, let's take a look at a couple of fundamental concepts I want to introduce to you. The first one is about our inner culture. And I don't know if you've spent much time thinking about what the culture of your inner life is like. So, uh, if you don't know what culture is, uh, maybe an easy way to explain it is to use a, a, a lab biology term. Do you guys like science? Do you like science? Who likes science? Nobody likes science. Science fiction! (laughs) Star Wars! (laughs) Okay. All right, great, nothing to do with Star Wars. Okay, so if you imagine a culture, you know, in, in, in laboratory, and I'm sure doctors do this, uh, right? Um, or they do lab tests, I imagine, in my imagination, that's what they do with the COVID tests when they want to have more of a particular thing. They, they take your germs, or probably not germs, they take your microbes or whatever it is, and they put it into a specially curated culture that allows whatever that thing is that you put in to, to, to grow faster. Right? And so, in laboratory terms, a culture is a biochemical broth custom made to promote the development of this or that organism. Like, so assuming that the microbes in question start out with a clean bill of health and they've got genetic fitness, then a suitable, well maintained culture would allow for the happy, healthy growth and proliferation of the organism. Right? Um, uh, I actually conducted this experiment in real life when I was younger and my mom doesn't know this but she was the witness because I came over to Australia when I was 15 lived by myself and when my mom came to visit me after like three months I had a coffee cup next to my bed that I didn't clean for three months and and inside that coffee cup was a forest very carefully curated culture that would grow mold really well, it turns out after a while it just turns solid and then it anyway, so you know uh, a culture can birth like all kinds of things. In fact, um, if, if, if if these bacteria, whatever it is, germs, whatever, they don't grow, so we think, hey, if, if it doesn't thrive. It, it can be because the culture that it's being placed in has been contaminated, or maybe there was something wrong with it. Whatever the case, the, the, the technical lab term for it is then that we would call that a toxic culture. That means it's a culture that kills the thing it, that you have put in. Instead of allowing it to thrive, then it has this toxic culture. It's unsuitable for the creatures that it's supposed to be supporting. Or worse, it's dangerous to its existence. And so that's going to be the same thing with humans. Our inner culture can either be healthy or toxic. So that when you get something really good, like somebody's giving you a really good solution, or or somebody's giving you really good advice, that thing, when it goes into your inner culture, can either go, oh my goodness, this is going to grow in me. This is going to really transform my life or the inner culture in you can kill it so that's the first term i want to introduce the next term i want to talk about normal and normalizing it's a it's a thing that it's a thing that we do as human beings right um so i'm going to try and take a shot at trying to explain this inner world of us because it's so hard for us to notice what our inner culture is part of that is because our inner culture, for us anyway, it's just normal. It's just, it's normal. It's like the, it's like the joke about the fish, where the older fish, you know, uh, is on the uh, going upstream and he swings, uh, swims up to the younger fish and he goes, "Hey guys, what's the water like over here?" And the younger fish, who've only ever been into that part of the river. They look at each other and go, what on earth is this guy talking about? What's water? (laughs) Because they don't even notice. They've not been upstream, they've not been downstream. To them, it's just the thing they swim in. They don't know if it's cold, it's hot, it's all they've ever known, it's all they've ever seen because it's normal. You know, let's clarify. There's a, there's a couple of ter- ways, uh, a couple of meanings of the word normal. I'm actually going to use both of them in the sermon. But the first one is like what they would use in medical world. I have been interacting with doctors a lot for the medical mission trip. So, you know, um, but in the medical world, normal denotes, amongst other things, um, the state of affairs that doctors are aiming for. It is, sets the boundaries between health and disease. So if they're doing tests on you, right, then they were like, oh, your levels of whatever it is, is normal. It's normal. It's what we're like shooting for, I guess. But if it's elevated of whatever your cholesterol is or whatever, right? uh, If it's elevated or it's too low or whatever, then it's not normal. And maybe there's something wrong with you. Maybe you need to be treated. Maybe there's a disease or something, right? And so then our goal when we apply remedies or treatments is to get to that normal. We, we gauge success or failure against these sort of statistical uh, norms. Um, uh, it's like if... Uh, sometimes uh, it sets the context even for certain side effects. So for instance, like if you your, your blood... Uh, pressure is up, your heart rate is elevated, you're you're feeling really stressed, but it's the day before your exams, then you'll be like, oh, you know what? It's okay. That's normal, right? Because it's the day before your exams and the context sets what is normal. But that's not what we're talking about here today, even though I'll refer to it later on. I wanna highlight a more insidious meaning behind the word normal. Because for better or for worse, us humans have a genius for getting used to things, especially when the change is incremental. So we normalize. That means we're able to take something that an ordinary person We'll look at and go, my goodness, that is abherent behavior. That is bad for you. That could cause a disease. That's really terrible. But because we normalize, we're like, oh, I do it every day. Seriously, 10 Cokes a day, that's fine. I can still, you know, drink 15 coffees and go to sleep. It's fine. You know, three Netflix seasons in, in a week. It's fine. I can handle it. And so we normalize we normalize the thing that we do and it becomes so part of what we do that it's like that fish in the water. We don't even know we're doing it. We don't even know what our inner culture has become. But the fact that you don't know it, it doesn't affect whether that seed is going to grow. It doesn't change whether you know it or not. If your soil is bad, that seed is going to die. And we could all come to the same church. We could all go to the same home group meetings. You could all listen to exactly the same thing. And that really good seed... If it is planted into a toxic culture that we have normalized, it's not going to go well for you. And you might be completely surprised, caught off guard, wondering, why is it? Why? Why? Am I always hearing these right good things? Why am I? But it's just never taking effect. And Jesus highlights this. We've known this. For so long, so that's why we want to do this series where we're taking a deep dive into this unknown inner world of our inner culture. What is the true condition of our soil? Because my goodness, that's going to be hard to determine. Uh, so, in order to look, I think to in order to look at that, we have to see what are the things that we have normalized in our world. It's normal for me to play games until 3 a.m. in the morning and then just hack it together and make it to school. Ah, it's just normal. You know, it's normal to, to, to do five hours on TikTok every day or whatever it is. Like, this is, it's just normal, it's just normal. And what we wanna do is take a look actually at those things, but it's really hard. Because sometimes we're just unaware, we're so, un, like, just think about the last week, your week, and I, I said this to the guys, and I know for sure the guys spend zero time thinking of their inner world last week, right? But I want to ask you, right, you're sitting here, how much time did you spend last week just thinking, oh, what's my inner culture like? <laughs> what's my inner life like?" like? Your average person is just trying to get by. It's just such an unexplored part of our life, right? Um, Or maybe it's hard for you because it's not just unexplored. You know it, your inner world, you know it as a dark, uncontrollable space. And if you're very honest, you're scared to go there to look inside, to see what drives you, to see what's happening inside of you. You're scared. And, and, and when your wife, or your husband, or your children try to take the conversation there, or, or your mother, or your father asks you about your inner life, you're angry, you get defensive, because you know it's not a good place. Or maybe it's hard because in your life, and this happens to so many people, in your life, your inner world is completely different from your outer world. So inside, you have these desires. You, you wish this, you wish that, but nobody actually knows. Your inner thought life, your inner emotions are so different from what even your best friend, your spouse, your parents would think of you. So your inner world, the inner culture, is inconsistent with your outer world and life. I mean, it's so much easier, right, to focus on the things that people can see, the outside world, the, the place where we get rewarded, right? If I'm, if I'm working, I, I'll put my effort into where like, I can get credit for the work I do in my job. Who cares if I think the boss is an idiot, right? I might think it's normal for me to think the boss is an idiot, because he is, right? As long as I produce the work. And so we're not aware then of an inner thought and inner culture that we have, and we are focused on the thing that is outside. So anyway, that's what we're going to be doing this whole series. And today, uh, we're going to cover the first one. It's actually going to be part of a home group series that we're filming on Wednesday, and it's going to be our next home group series as well. So we're we're taking quite a lot of time to um, engage with this whole topic of personal foundation. And so if you're not in a home group, now is the time to join a home group because we're about to kick off a really interesting topic. Um, And you've got the uh, handouts as well that you can do. So today, uh, we're going to go into motivation. The first area that we're looking at on the inside is our motivation it's really tricky to figure out other people's motivations right you, you you never know like i i bet you in the 29 years that fga has been around there have been some people they've just come to our church for the food <laughs> yeah no 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 no, no. Uh, who knows what actually motivates you right like to, to come to right uh it's even harder, I think. So it's, it's so hard to f- figure out other people's motivations. I'll tell you what, it's also hard to figure out your own motivations. We're going to try it time. So we're just going to give up on other people's motivations. right? Through this whole series, I'll give you permission, just temporarily, to be selfish. <laughs> yep, so you can just you can ignore the person sitting next to you because this is about your personal foundation. And so we're going to do some inner work into your life right now. So don't worry about what's motivating all these other people around you and what's happening, right? We're going to ask, what's motivating you? Because it's quite hard sometimes to know what is even your own motivations. Our motivations are actually really powerful. And I think in this day and age, they're even more powerful because we live in a world of increasing flexibility, more choices and options than we've ever been before. I'll tell you, maybe your motivations were not that Relevant in the dark ages, you know, I dream of being a painter and an artist, but you're digging in the mines somewhere and your father before that dug in the mines with the father before that and there's no options in life for education or anything. And you're just like, it doesn't really matter. But now it does matter because we're no longer machines that just carve out widgets, right? We can our motivations direct our choice in our work, in our home, in our personal life. And so that's why we are probably in all generations of humanity, we are consuming the most amount of leisure than we ever have. We can catch leisure in between in, in work, we can like quickly scroll through TikTok or whatever it is in the, in the five seconds you have between somebody uh, replying your email or whatever it is, right? It's an all-time high, you know why? Because we're able to enact or live out our motivations now in a, in a way that we've never done before. So let's do an illustration. Can I have two kids volunteers? Yes, one, two, brilliant. Can you guys come up? Perfect. Blood nose, okay, that's okay. You can hold your nose while you come up for the, what, what's your name? Estelle and? Abby, perfect, come on, brilliant. Two amazing FGA Empower ladies, fantastic. Okay, I'm gonna get you guys to stand in exact same location, just over here, All right? And maybe you face your backs to each other so you can get a bit closer. All right, cool. So sometimes we look at two people and we're like, hey, they're at the same place. They're the two same people. Maybe they're growing up in the same church, going to the same Empower class, right? Uh, love the Lord, whatever it is, right? But what happens is if their inner motivation points them, maybe maybe face this way, okay, okay. points them in opposite directions, then, so they're going to church, but one of them, One of them really wants to learn about God, really looking forward to church, really looking forward to God. And the other's like, oh man, I can't get out. I can't wait to get out so that I can, I don't know, play with my Barbie or I don't know what. what, what, Okay, no, I shouldn't be stereotyping. Fortnite, Valorant. No, no, no. Okay, what do you look forward to for fun? I don't know. No, no. Okay, Uh, I'm going to make up something. It'll be like, reading books? No. Okay, right? So you come to church, right? And you've got different motivations. So then what happens is, can you take like the smallest little step forward, like the tiniest micro step forward? Just each of you take one step forward. Just like, yeah, okay, perfect. So then a year passes and you barely notice the difference actually. But now I want to take, take that step and take 20 of those. Just count like twenty. And maybe 20 years have passed 20 years have passed right and then like i go back and i visit some of my friends and their motivations have actually driven them along in life and they end up actually over time in very different places the people who never loved god who never wanted to go to church who actually didn't want any of these things they've in one side And those who are really passionate about God, who really, actually, my whole life is to serve you and worship you, God, they've ended up in a different place. Cool. Thank you so much. Were they not amazing? So cool. Okay. Maybe you can read books. Read books is a very good. Okay. Great. Um, So, uh. Let's break down motivation, right? A way to think about motivation is there's external and there's internal motivation. So you wanna, you wanna ask yourself this question, right? Uh, internal motivation is about doing stuff because you, it genuinely you want to do it inside of you. It makes you maybe, it makes you feel good. You know, uh, it's, it's like when you enjoy a hobby or you work on a project that you love, you get involved with things that bring you joy and satisfaction, you know, right? So you might be internally motivated to want to play games or internally motivated to, whatever, play an instrument or whatever, right? Then external motivation, on the other hand, is when we do things for outside reasons, like rewards or, or maybe you want to avoid trouble, like, ah, you know, my, my wife's going to scold me, so I might as well just come to church. It's less troublesome <laughs> because... <laughs> Anyway, right? Um, I don't want to get into too much trouble. Okay, I haven't seen my wife in two weeks, so you don't want to begin with trouble. Okay, um, right? But external motivation means you're doing things for others or for the thing that you can get or the reward. And for a lot of us, we actually don't spend enough time thinking about the difference between our internal and external motivations. So think about why you're here at church today. If you could do anything else and there was nobody around and you're just all by yourself, would you have come? Would you have spent the Sabbath with the Lord? There's something I had to grapple with. I I had a a two-week holiday, right? So I could just do anything with my time. And so then I was like, oh, great. I can do anything with my time. Now I don't have a hundred people asking me to do a hundred different things. Great. What am I going to do with my time? And I was able to actually pursue my inner motivations. I was able to um, Think about that, right? So uh, I think it's so important, if we want to figure out our internal culture, we're spending some time going, what are my inner motivations? Maybe I really just want to spend my Sunday sleeping and watching TV. Like that's actually what, it's not what I'm doing. I I wish I could do it, maybe, but I'm not doing it. But your inner motivation is towards that. That is something that you have to figure out for yourself because we need to, to look at the hidden things that drive us. And so now in the last 15 minutes, I'm going to go into some specific examples because I'm never going to cover everyone's, all everyone's inner motivations. So that's why there's a homework sheet and there's things for you to do this week because it'll be worthwhile for you to know the condition of your own soil. It'll determine what produces fruit in your life. So many things we can talk about, but I'm going to talk about trauma. Turns out that one of the things that motivates us is trauma that we've had in our life. I'm never going to talk to this person ever again. Oh, you people, they're all alike because you remember what that kind of person did. And you've had some traumatic experience. And so now you're never gonna go there. Um, I, love, I love what Peter Levine says in The Myth of Normal. He says, trauma is not what happens to you, but what happens inside of you. Right? And so, so um, there could be these things, and they're motivating us. You're like, oh man, I, I don't wanna do public speaking anymore because I remember what it was like to be called up in front of my class when I was really young. And then, so now, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going you know, to... In many ways, trauma is shaping us. In invisible ways, it's shaping us if we're not aware of it. And so I'm going to use... Um, there's many things that you could talk about, and which is why deliverance is actually really uh, good. Deliverance, uh, it's an inner healing, which is another thing that we're... Uh, new ministry that we're starting up. These are ministries that actually help us take a look at how traumas or things of our past are affecting m- our motivations to, you know, I don't want to try very hard. I actually don't want to try very hard in life. Because you wouldn't believe it. When I was younger, I tried, and I failed. It didn't go well at all. And so now, I'm, I'm motivated not to try. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be, just, I'll go at 40%. I can give you 40%. We're good, right? There's these things that that, that motivate us. Um, If I could, I'm gonna pick on my favorite topic, but it could be many others, and so you could write other things down. Uh, I I found that women, in general, and again, this is a generalization. (laughs) It's always dangerous. I gotta look at my wife. When you begin a sentence with, and women. (laughs) I know, I'm outnumbered today. I know, it's terrible, okay. In general, I found that women struggle with self-esteem and worth while men we struggle with addiction in general in general right but these two things are recurring themes when you're passed along enough that just keep popping up and even if you're 30 years old 40 years old 50 years old you try to knock these things down and it's such a struggle Um, and so I'm going to use the example of addiction because I'm a guy and I, there'll be other times we'll talk about self-esteem and worth, but, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about addiction if I could, just as an example of trauma that can then affect your motivation in your inner life. Addiction is a bit of a personal hobby topic for me because I feel like I really struggle with it. Um. If you've known me well enough, and I've grown up here in this church, or some of you know me really well, I like repetition. I like the same things again and again and again. I have a tendency to get addicted. It's been something that I've been trying to regulate my whole life. I mean, I'm probably the biggest Disney fan that you know twice removed (laughs) that means i'm probably the biggest fan of the friends of your friends but i'm also compulsively addicted to a whole range of things over the last two weeks i finished 15 books during my holiday i've been in my life i've been addicted to games when i was younger i was addicted to porn I've had so many battles that I've had to fight around addiction because I just like doing these, these certain things in my life that just catch me again and again. And I've had to put so much serious guardrails around certain things in my life. But did you know that addiction is linked to trauma? So the way to think about it is not, hey, just stop doing that thing. Just stop playing computer games. Just stop looking at porn. or Just stop doing this. It's it's not that. We actually have to have a deeper understanding around addiction if we're going to deal with it. So one way to look at addiction is it is our way, it's our coping mechanism to deal with the issues and problems of our life. I've learned actually that the first question you want to ask around addiction is not, like why why can't this person stop doing it the question you have to ask is what is right about the addiction what's so good about the thing what benefit is the person deriving getting from playing games all the time or going to disney all the time what is the what is the benefit because all addictions do some kind of good except it's a bait and switch right they promise something good, and then they switch it up, right? So you need to ask, what pain What pain is the addiction solving? Because there is a difference between a person who plays games just for fun, who can then stop at any time when something else important comes up, And a person who's addicted to games and goes to games to deal with the fact that actually i i hate my life and i'm feeling miserable right now but you know what when i play games i can win and everybody i'm playing games with says i'm good i'm really good when i'm playing i'm like acing it and so then That guy who plays games for that reason, to deal with the fact that he doesn't actually like his own life, that he's got whatever issues, right? That has the potential to form into a crippling lifelong addiction because you're trying to use something to deal with a trauma or a pain that you have. Um, And so I'm just trying to give examples, right? It's not the only thing in the inner motivations. So that's for me, right? Uh, And I wanna make this about you, but I thought like the best way to illustrate it is if I could be as honest as I can about my life. And uh, you guys know me, I've grown up in this church, you'll see me outside, right? Um, So let's have a conversation, right? About my own inner life. So that during your week, you can do a similar journey. If you end up with exactly the same answer as me, I guarantee you, you're doing it wrong. I guarantee, because listen to this. So, as I went through this, I, so, uh, and you know, like you guys have heard me say this, um, I've got so many responsibilities in life, like uh, there's a lot, I am the oldest child, right? I'm pastoring a church, I'm the husband, father of a family, right? Um, I actually think there is some kind of trauma, which I don't blame my parents for, It's okay, I love your mom. It's like absolutely fantastic. But I think there is some kind of trauma in me um, that I've had from speeding through my childhood. There's a a pain of a missed childhood for me uh, because I went to university at 15. I graduated at 18. Um, And so till today, I cannot explain the pure joy I feel when I watch a cartoon, like it's so f- Have you seen the new Paul Ruddish Mickey Mouse? Like it's so good. It's so good that no one in my whole family now will watch cartoons with me. Cause they have outgrown that phase. There's, it's like there's this inner child in me that has to every day I have to face the realities of the world and the responsibilities of the world and of the people around me. So there's people with very serious issues and you know and I want to take it seriously. I do I take it really seriously. and so I feel like I have to pastor well, I've got to listen to people, we've got to nurture this church. To, right, uh, you know we're, 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 we're developing property, we've got responsibilities to have, we've got kids you know, that we're trying to parent, right? And so I feel like there is this whole weight of responsibility, and I've been a responsible kid since young. And so for me, when I get some time, if you ask me my inner motivation, man, just leave me alone. And I just want to be a kid again. I just want to be a kid again. Because it's not like I don't, want to live in the real world. I'm, obviously I can and I've got, you know, two master's degrees. I I like I'm I'm like I'm aware of what's going on in the world. I'm I can do the responsibilities. But something in me is always trying to heal that trauma of a thing that happened. And it drive, it's in my it drives on the inside. And some of my addictions then they get hooked in on that. And so when I'm in a bad place, sometimes I think, oh, man, why why are people asking me to do this again? Why is that to be me again to do these things? Couldn't I just have a bit of a break, just have some fun, right? And so those are the things that, that go wrong. And that, if you are conscious of that, that's half the battle. Because I've had to do then over the years, I've had to ask God, to heal that, to deeply heal me and the childhood I've lost. And so I'm going to actually uh, talk about some Bible verses if I could that really helped me with this. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, it says, God who saved us called us to a holy calling, not because of our works but because of His own purpose and grace which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. I've had to grapple with what my calling was so that it's not just oh, I have to do these things because it's expected of me. God took me to this place where I'm doing these things because actually He has a purpose for me. In one Peter two nine, I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, so that you may proclaim. So that I, as I read this, I may proclaim. My goal is to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called me out of darkness into His marvelous light. Or in two Peter one ten, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. And what happened as I delve deeper into my own inner motivations I actually connected with my calling and that word calling is not just for pastors in full time ministry that calling is something that each one of you have and has the potential to be the anchor for your inner motivation so that you see your own identity even your own purpose as something that God has given for you. Maybe in the workplace, to be a dad or a mom or to be a friend or to use your gifting for His purposes. It's actually so powerful. In fact, it can shape normal for your life. Once you understand your calling in your purpose, it can define what should be normal for you. So I've now come to realize that for what God has called me to do, to pastor a multi-generational household of faith, of overachieving Asian kids, I had to go through what I went through because it was just normal. It, it was part of the process that God had led me to. And once I realized that, then it's no longer a burden. i actually discovered that I have more patience with people. I've got more patience with the responsibilities that I've got. And the call and the draw of the addiction, it can be easily managed. That's why I quarantine a whole bunch of things. I've got like rules. It's so easy for me to do that now because it's not grabbing at a deep inner part of my life. Our motivation needs to come from this deep sense of calling. And I've had to regularly come in and check on my calling actually to make sure I'm doing something or living my life as a result of not just what my wife wants me to do or what the church expects of me, but what God has for me. And then you actually will find that you're able to do things like, I'm reminded of John the Baptist. You know what was normal for John the Baptist? To be despised by people, kicked out wandering in the wilderness right and his entire ministry is to lift up someone else and that was normal for him because it was his calling that was he was designed to do and so i want to challenge you as you go through this personal foundation series that you spend some time and you pray you think really carefully about what is it that God has called you on this earth, on this planet for. So if you don't live with that sense of calling, so many things are going to motivate you. They're going to be your external motivation. Maybe it's money, maybe it's fame, whatever it is. Your internal motivations, they will get skewed by the trauma in your life, your addictions in your life, various insecurities that you might have. It's just going to skew. All these things are going to be this influence. It's going to shape the inner culture of your little Petri dish of your life. And then when God puts something really good in it, the culture might just kill it. But if you have a culture, an inner culture where your motivation has come from your calling and your purpose, that culture... God can put a good seed in it and it will grow and you'll be a discipler of people you will affect other people that gift that God has placed in your life it will grow and it will grow and it will grow and your motivation that nobody else can see by the way will be aligned with your creator the potter of which you are the clay And then when you meet your maker, it'll be like, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't worry about missing your childhood. Don't worry that you didn't get that promotion or you didn't get that. Don't worry about it. You were never meant to. Your entire purpose was for something else. So you don't need to pick up the purpose that media is going to give you, or culture of the world is going to give you. And that's the power I think of transforming your inner motivation by your calling. So we're going to do communion together now. I'm going to call it the worship team. Uh, If you're not a Christian, can I just say feel free to let the communion pass. Uh, This is something we do actually, to align our calling. With that of our Master Jesus Christ, so as we end today's sermon, I want to read this scripture. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so, if you don't have the communion elements, just put up your hand.